Welcome to Money Grows on Trees. Money does grow on trees. A podcast full of practical, real-life money lessons that you wish you learned in school. Lloyd is a former lawyer turned lifestyle entrepreneur. In each episode, he'll be answering the tough questions around money, investing, and entrepreneurship to help you transform your money mindset and move you closer to achieving your financial goals. Now, let the class begin. Here's your host, Lloyd Ross. Welcome back to the show, Money Grows on Trees podcast. My name is Lloyd Ross. This episode is titled Zero to 600 Million, and I've got in the studio my friend uh, Simon Beard. He's here with us. What's up, man? Thank you for having me. What a what a hyped intro. I love it. <laughs> got to bring the energy. Got to, uh, got to get people engaged. But I think just you being here and talking about your stories is going to blow people away. So I feel like... Um, uh, we could hear for the guests. We, I mean, Simon's super successful. You're going to hear from his story in a second, but potentially, he doesn't know I'm going to say this, potentially the first billionaire on the podcast, and I'm super excited to, to have him here. So a little bit of a, an intro for the audience. I actually went to school with Simon. We went to the same school, and, uh, and I've watched his journey, but uh, it's been fascinating because he has recently, he and his wife Tani became the top 10 on the under 40 Forbes list and they took their business culture kings from a 2008 start to listing it and it valued at $626 million. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So we, we sold part of it at, yeah, at a 600 and something million dollar valuation. Yeah. And we took half in cash and then half in shares and we listed on the New York Stock Exchange. And you did that from 2008 standing start. Yep. No loans, no investors. Man, bootstrapped it. Yep. Far out. So uh, I want to start a little bit with your story because, you know, we were just chatting in the studio before and I just didn't know this about you. But I said, oh, I love your story, man, because you didn't go to uni and you did it. You know, and you went, I went to uni. <laughs> so yeah. tell us a little bit about what happened after school for you. Like, give us a bit of an idea of what, what the story, how it unfolded. Yeah. So, we, you know, I remember in grade 10 business with uh, Mr. Ward, I did a business <laughs> assignment and it was like, you had to do a case study. And my next door neighbor was Big Kev, was the guy as seen on really? TV selling uh, chamois and stuff. And he was like a real personality. And I did this interview with him. And from then I was like, oh my God, I want to be an entrepreneur. Like that was like the light right there. It's like the way he just spoke about it and the absolute certainty. And it's like to live life on your own terms and back yourself. And and I was just like hooked. And I wrote a goal. I'm, I want to be an entrepreneur from day dot. I never want to work a job. And I remember in year 10, I wrote that. And yeah, when I finished school, I started the markets that next weekend. I just brought these like electronic things from China off Alibaba and then uh, tried to sell them. But my first weekend I sold zero because <laughs> I was just sitting there hoping someone would walk up and buy it. And then I realized, oh, I actually got to sell this and connect emotion to it. And I studied sales and there was a very common pattern of like I'd buy all this thing, back myself into a corner and then learn how to sell it. Wow. And in doing that, grow the muscle to go to the next level. There you go. So you really put yourself in a position where you have to learn. You kind of burn the boats. Exactly. And have skin in the game. Exactly. Right? So you have to work it out. So I remember at school, you know, like uh, I remember hearing that you're at the market. So I was like, that's interesting. I wonder what Simon's up to doing that. And so you, le you learnt by doing and I think entrepreneurship is – is that, isn't it? It's like, well, let me take a risk. Let me sell. Let me learn. 
Let me redeploy. Exactly. Over and over again. Yeah. And it's just that that slowly expanding that threshold of control, which builds because a lot of people, oh, how do I get more confidence? Like confidence comes from competence. You gotta build the muscle. Yeah. And when you do it, then you realize I can handle more. I can do more. Wait, I only brought a hundred. I can sell two hundred. Yeah. You know, and that's that and as you know, it's such a thing of the it is a such a psychological game, you know, we all we all know this of entrepreneurship of expanding that threshold of control of each level, something breaks and you have to learn how to fix it. You develop the skill yep. and that what enables you to go to the next level. Yeah, it's this process of course correcting yeah. and getting into the habit of knowing that nothing's going to go to plan most of the yeah. time and having that muscle, like you said, to go, well, let's pivot, let's pivot, let's pivot. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So tell me what, so you, you learn how to sell flipping hardcore at the markets face to face and, and tell me what led you to start culture Kings. So yeah, I built the muscle. I was, I was crushing it sort of at the markets. And I remember I had this, this moment where I was selling this digital camera that was as seen on TV and I got really good at selling it and I'd get into this flow state and I'd be like, Oh my God, this could be so big. Imagine if this camera was waterproof. And I remember like, oh, you could take it surfing, snowboarding. This would be the best camera ever. And I hit up the factory. Oh, could I make a waterproof case for this? They emailed straight away back. Oh, we've already developed one for a US customer. They haven't paid the mold fee. If you want it, we'll send you the mold. You can have it. Anyway, send it to me. I'm like, big mistake. I went and asked people with no idea, no context, no in this for advice. Ah. I went to people like at the markets and stuff and said, Oh, what do you think of this camera? It's waterproof. You could take it snowboarding, surfing. Every single person said, Why wouldn't a Canon done that? Why wouldn't have Sony? Like you're just some kid from the markets. What are you gonna do when it leaks? Anyway, didn't do anything with it. Couple months later, the factory introduced me to the guy in America and said, Hey, he wants to reach out if he wants to sell his camera. Introduced it. He goes, I remember as soon as I got the email, I'm like, oh, how are you going to compete with Sony? How are you going to compete with? Yeah. And that was Nick Woodman, the founder of GoPro. What? Yeah. No so way. I actually have the sample of the oh. first original GoPro at home. $10 billion that company. Oh, oh my God. And I remember like I was still at the market, still grinding it out, selling this camera. And I remember seeing this, the first stand they did at like Harvey Norman. Wow. And I'd like grab my parents, shake it. I'm like, you don't understand. This was exactly in my head. The surfing videos, the snowboarding. Anyway. Um, Big I, lesson. I knew from then though is like, well, next time one of those opportunity comes, you know, opportunity knocks, but yep. once is that, I would not let anyone stop me. No one could talk me out of it. I will fucking run through yeah. any wall to make yeah. it happen. Yeah, and back yourself on that feeling, 100%. the intuition. And, and that was the thing is I, I think I had to go through that process. There's the only way I would have that uttermost belief yep. Yep. and that backing because of that pain that I went through in yeah. that. In that um, and, yeah, and then I just simply – I was always sort of into hats and streetwear myself. And then I sort of, I, my mate showed me this YouTube of Nigel in Japan that started vape and he had the first Phantom in Japan. He had the first Bugatti. I was like, this guy's the coolest motherfucker <laughs> ever. I want to be like that. And yeah. then I was just like, I'm just going to start. Like I definitely see this coming. I'm like, I'm just going to start for these gaps in this clothing. Yeah. And I always saw it was like a broken model. Like, you know, when you'd go to like Pacific Fair and you'd yeah. see like, 
I remember seeing like general pants or something. I'd like, it's like one or two people working in there. Yeah. Low vibe. Phone, not doing, yeah. You know, and I was just like, man, this stuff is so easy to sell. But yeah. they've got male and female. Yeah. They mainly lean to female. They've got yeah. a crappy little range. And then 20 minutes away at Rabina, you've got another store with the exact same crap in it. Yeah. And I was like, imagine, and this is when eBay and the early sort of stages were online and I was always thinking, I was like, surely in the future, if you just had one store with the ultimate range yeah, and it was the destination, you would just slay them all because yeah. – like, because you could sell online plus have the store. Yeah. And I always sort of saw that, like, this is sort of going to change and disrupt. And I just had such a passion and love for streetwear. And I sort of had, it was the good thing, I had this, like, uh, thing against the old school sort of retail. Yeah, like, like an the enemy, billabong, right? The, yeah, the yeah. thing. I was all like, you're all, from the early days, I'd always call them, like, dinosaurs, <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. Well, it's an old model. Yeah. And, and, and Billabong pretty well went broke. I mean, I yeah. remember when it went to 12 cents and I remember that. And that's that was the, f I suppose you, you you hit it on the head. You actually guessed that was going to happen. Yeah. And you were in front of that because you're online already. and Yeah. And, and so from the early days, it was always like, okay, you know, from the markets. And I just started with this one dicky short that I basically, I got it from Walmart right because they were selling at walmart for 16 dollars and selling here in surf strolls for a hundred dollars and the dollar was a dollar ten parody. oh it was, par it was yeah too. it was yeah. insane i was wow. like i just literally sent my mate we brought 40 pairs brought them over i sold them That's bought gnarly. 80 the next week and then just doubled down and focused on the product focused yep. and this is an important point like because i see people especially in clothing they mess this up they go for so much stuff that they like and not get recalibrated to the market uh-huh yeah right and i I always went in sections of like yeah i might like this more unique or more you know yep. extra cool shit that no one's got but it's like you have to bring it back to the market yeah and i would always get recalibrated to that yep so so you let the market be your teacher 100%. rather than yourself yeah 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 which is definitely in the clothing thing i see this when i'm trying to help um kids having a crack it's like i can see this mistake that they make and it's this thing is any creative job you have to watch out for this yeah right is that it's like a bell curve of distribution when there's so much in an industry they can get in this loop of doing stuff to impress other creatives yeah i saw that you did a reel yeah. on that the other day yeah and it's yeah. just it is like so you know chefs can make stuff to impress other chefs yes i saw journalists that. write articles yep. to impress other journalists designers design stuff to impress other designers but it goes past the market yeah and it's the thing that that's when you really see the experts when you really see the people that they've gone through they've learned those errors yeah they've brought all those you know one piece suits that they thought would be this big and didn't work and they've been burnt and they realize yeah how they need to recalibrate. So they that. don't get like personally, like they don't let their ego get in the way. Like, I love this. They don't have that psychology bias that goes yeah. on. Yeah. Well, they've learned that usually. Yeah, they've, they've learned, learned it doesn't work. That, and then <laughs> yeah. they've, they've realized there to calibrate go. back to the market. But if you can learn that without going through the painful lesson, yeah. that can save you a lot of time. It's a little bit like too when people say, I want to get involved in a passion project because it's my passion. But no matter what passion you choose, bottom line, you've got to enjoy sales, you've got to enjoy marketing, you've got to enjoy business. Yeah. Right? So they get caught in that, I want to do it because I'm passionate. It's the same thing, right? I want to yeah. sell these clothes because I love them. Yeah. It doesn't work so good, right? Yeah. You have to you have to get that recalibrated to the market. And that is that the passion is like the art. 
and then you've got to bring the science back to it as well. Like that's where I'm always, a, that's where the magic happens, bringing yep. those two worlds together. And yep. that's where you've still got to understand data. Yep. You've still got to get recalibrated that. And it's yep. like people vote with their wallet, not what they like on Facebook, not what they mates yep. will tell you is cool or whatever. You have to always bring it back to what they pull out their money and buy full price. Yeah. That is the North Star. Okay. So that's when you know you've got a, a good product. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then so, definitely dive into repeat metrics, you know, when yep. they buy that, what is their chance chance to look back and see is that common that they're repeating more than yeah. average? Okay. And one thing, especially in e-commerce to watch out for, the first thing I get is toxic products. A lot of companies have them out there and they don't realize a toxic product is someone that buys that product and then they never shop again. Right. Ah. And see, because what people think that if something's wrong, they're going to return it, especially if you're in the guy space. Guys, we don't return no, shit. No, we just don't <laughs> fucking shut it away. Again. And that's go. even worse. Because then right? you have no data. You've lost the fucking customer. I've yeah. seen people and they've been selling. I've made this, sold, them a st- sold a product for fucking 18 months and not realize that wow. every person that was buying that had like an 80% less chance to be a customer than if they bought any other product. Ah, so interesting. So it's like that thing was literally burning a... F- wow. Was like every product you were selling was, was burning a hole in your... That's amazing. So, you, so I didn't know about That's like a phantom product in your business. So, so you kind of... What I love about this story is you really product arbitraged out of Walmart. Yeah, like yep. that—that's really how it kind yeah. of. That's probably that bridging part from the markets. I'll buy some stuff from Walmart with a good FX exchange rate. I'll sell them in Australia, yeah. And then what happened after that? Tell us how you kind of got to the next that, constraint. That's when. So from that dicky short, then I sort of just saw other arbitrage opportunities of like people selling stuff cheap on wholesale, clearance and overstock lists. I started to get to, I'm like, this is overstock in America, but it's still cool in Australia or I couldn't make it cool, <laughs> you know? And this was some huge arbitrage. I remember at the time, like I could get, I was buying like Vans tees for like $3 US what? and you could sell them here for 50 bucks Australian. It was oh like, my God. Like, what the, it was just loopholes, but that's insane. And you could just bring them in and and yeah so i that's where i started and then from there i was like okay got the first sort of store in southport um you know started real scrappy it wasn't even a lease you know it was just like a cash deal month to month and started from there and got traction and then yeah we went brisbane we sort of only really did one store per year when we save up enough free cash flow that we could buy the fit out and everything so we did it slower than we could have but we we were building that muscle at each yeah. stage. But I love how you did that because I think a lot of people get caught up. You know, like I, I, t- I talk about this a fair bit is that big businesses always started as small businesses yeah. that always kind of started as a hustle, like yeah. go to the market. do. That's how big businesses all pretty much start, right? Yes. And in your situation, what I love about it is you didn't go down the angel investor route. You didn't go down the borrowing. You, you actually bootstrapped it and cash flowed it steadily. Yes. To the valuation that it yes. got. Which is which was only between twenty and forty percent a year and twenty percent profit, which was always sort of like go for this golden metric. Twenty percent profit, twenty percent it's like the golden forty. Twenty percent profit, twenty percent growth. Okay. Right? If you can just sort of sit in there, you know, and they balance each other out and you're it's just compound. stacking each year. Like I know it's a bit slower, but you're building such solid foundation. Yeah. And that's was the and that's 
was the best part. But, you know, this comes with a lot of discipline and sacrifice because we were making a lot of money and we were paying... Putting it all back in? Yeah, we were putting the whole thing back in. We were paying a lot of the time staff more than what we get paid. There you go. And it was this pain of like, oh, <sighs> like, you know, you'd see a walk around yeah. the office like, no, oh, they get, they're like, getting all the good clothes and handbags. You're yeah, like, ah! But it is the thing is we were playing the long game. Yeah, yeah, I love that. that we I were, love that. We were building and we were stacking. And, but yeah, that was right. I. I kept a super low profile, you know, yep. I only created my Instagram this year. Yeah. I, I never did an interview. I never did a thing. I just steadied, stayed the course. I never let anyone see our figures. I would always, you know, and cause yeah. it was the thing is like, I knew we were onto something. I knew this could be building, but we were just, we were building it brick by brick and staying focused and, yeah. and just not getting distracted by the shiny light or yeah. raise money in this and try and, and that's incredible that you really could do that. Put your blinkers on. And I mean, it takes a tremendous amount of self-discipline not to have your ego get out of control or lose yeah. sight of the, so it's incredible. You did that. A hundred percent. This is where my wife, Tani is so instrumental in that. Cause I was like, man, if I was a young single guy, you would not be able to, the temptation of like, fuck it, bye, bye. <laughs> Get the bye, Lambo, bye, Lambo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the thing is that would just kick off. Yeah. I know the doom loop. And totally. it was instead we just stacked and stacked and, and invested. And until we sort of saw it was the right time, it was like, you know, uh, so pre-COVID, we are about 50% online, 50% stores. So yep. we are already in that perfect mixer model yeah. before. So when COVID happened. You were prepared. And, and this is the thing, like no one panicked more about COVID than me. I was in March, 2020, cause actually I was already talking. I'd already done the process of like, I was prepared to sell part of the business okay. pre COVID because I was like, look, I want to take on America, but I'd studied it. How many Australian businesses have actually pulled it off? Yeah. You know, there's a, yeah. there's a huge graveyard there. Yeah. And I was like, we didn't have any real money off the table except the, in, it was completely in the business. So I was like, if we could just sell part of the business and we've got generational wealth and then, you know, the rest we can, it's all fun. It's all yeah. house money and let it yeah. fucking ride and we, yeah. can, and we can see it work. So, so, so you, was, you were down that track already yeah. before COVID. And this is the thing to do it. Like a lot of people, oh, I want to sell my business. It's a it's a two year run up, right? That's what people need to understand. If you actually want to get value for it, it's a if you start today, it's two years before it goes on the market. Because if everything, you know, if you want to do it properly and build all the, you know, there's so much stuff, you know, because I see all these ones and you know all like you know Division Seven A loans or this. I have a sort of trademarks or you know I could go through a list of check marks that so many haven't sorted out that you'll go through the process it will fall up you'll spend so much time so much money and yeah. this is the thing is going through the process is risky because you're taking your eye off the ball yeah because you've got to put Different so much focus. time into it yeah yeah and when you're doing it you're opening it up because everyone that's going to look to buy it is your competitors they need to see the numbers is yeah. your one Flip. and then they can see stuff that's that's like wait we why don't we that. just do this yeah. oh my god they're making this much money in yeah. hats like, you know, it's like... You're that, revealing, you open the book up, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that that is a risk in itself. That's That takes courage too. So all along your journey though, the, the you would have experienced no doubt this like, okay, here's where I need courage. Here's where I need courage. Yeah. And you kind of 10x things when you take that step yeah. into the unknown. Yeah. Even to the end, like even when you get really successful, it's still there. 
hundred percent. You still have to take the step. A hundred percent. And it's a bigger step and even more. More on the line. Know, yeah. yeah. More, and it's your reputation and yeah, everything that you out. felt you've built. Um, it's, it's definitely there, but it's like, it's an important point of like that courage. I remember I did that date with Dan destiny, Tony Robbins seminar in like 2011 and you select your core values. Yep. What's going to be at the, yep. your top. And I remember I consciously put courage as my number one core value. And I'm like, this isn't going to be forever, but I'm like for five years, if I have that, like I truly believe I'll carve the life of my dreams. Yeah. And it was this. You know, it's it's a difficult process to do, and especially to implement it to make sure it stays there. But yeah. I definitely reflect back and I'm like that was because I was choosing it. Yeah, and, and that was the betting, that was the taking the risk, that was charging at you know when I was scared, stepping yep. up to the plate and having and a it, crack. And it kind of worked out. COVID in the end, do you feel probably worked massively in your favor because you're oh, poised online. You just had this huge, massive retail spend. Yeah, yeah. So I was in. So I was going back, yeah, March 2020, I was in New York and I was talking to one of the dinosaur retailers about doing a trade sale. Anyway, the COVID, I remember they had six cases and it was, but they'd only tested 35 people. And I was like, what the fuck? And I was like, I couldn't get out of there quick enough, right? Literally flew back around the world, got home. That day, I cancelled $15 million worth of stock. I wow. said, the world's fucking going to stop. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Just cancel everything. Just tell anyone. Yeah. We're not paying, cancel anything yeah. on order, just every Stand single Stand the bleeding before it happens. And anyway, we did that. And then I started these morning meetings every morning. We'd get the whole team and I'd like try and get them aligned of what's happening and what's doing. And we were moving and pivoting really fast. Anyway, that was March. But then when April came around, that's when they announced JobKeeper, right? And it was like, we never got JobKeeper as a business, but holy shit, did our customers get it. Yeah. And this is when I knew did we were on. Because I, I was speaking to someone and they're like, oh, my husband's Qantas pilot, six kids, fucking getting 750 bucks a week. I'm like, fuck, how are you going to live off that? And then like someone else is like, yeah, my kid works at Macca's, he's 15, and he's getting 750 bucks a week. He doesn't know what 750 bucks looks like. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And I was just like, holy shit, we're on here. Yeah. Because I was like... That is our customer. Yeah. And it's the thing. If someone gets money easy, they fucking spend, spend it, it fast. Easy. Like yes. that's, it is just. It's human psychology. Yeah. yeah. Easy and, come, easy go. And that's the thing. All these people get, it is that I knew, like here is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And I just straight away, you know, I'm deep in the ad account. I'm like scale budget, scale every, and this is the, th it was like such a window because everyone dropped their budgets. We're yeah. scared of COVID. Yeah. CPMs were so cheap, like cost per minute to reach a thousand people, but it dropped to like $2. It was just like this, the ROAS, I was just seeing it like, are these numbers fucking right? <laughs> you know, like 15 ROAS on GP. Cause wow. I would, our, uh, we'd always hack our Facebook ads to do gross profit on ROAS, not okay. revenue. Huge, yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge, huge hack there that's game changer. But so we were just like, holy shit, we are on. And we were just racing then. And because we were nimble enough and fast enough, we grabbed all this traction. But then we suddenly, and so by the end of that year, we were tracking at 120% growth. Wow. And I was like, wait, we've always grown between 20 and 40% for 12 straight years, right? That was always my thing. And suddenly we grew 120%. I was like, did I get 120% better? And I was like, no. <laughs> you you know, that's I amazing. Good the question. And so everyone was coming because this was the madness of M&A and everything at this time. Everyone was knocking on the door. And it's the best thing is like 
And I was like telling them all to fuck off straight away. It's like, no fucking way. Do you know how much money we're making? There? No way I'll ever sell this. There you go. But then it was this thing and I was so lucky. I had uh, Peter Hedge was on my advisory board and he always said, it's like, that when you don't want to sell your business, because that's the time, time to, to sell. sell. Because yeah. he goes, if you want to sell your business, it's going to be worth fucking nothing. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's this thing is like, and I was like, shit, I always a strategy, take money off the table, take on the US, you know, and it was always this thing. And I was like, look, as much as I think this, this is inflated. This has to be. Yeah, you, you knew. Know, I think 120% better. Like as much as I'm thinking, yeah, we move so fast. We were amazing. I'm like, I didn't get that good. Like, That's and cool. so it was like, okay. And the best part is because of the market, we could play them off against each other. Super important thing if you're yeah. ever doing a deal. Like auctioning your yeah. business. Like if you have one option, you, if you have one choice, you have no choice. Yeah. Right. You have to be able to create a competitive yes. tension. Yep. It's the only way you'll get some sort of price. Because if you don't, someone will say they're going to build their price. And in the due diligence, they'll knock off more money than you can fucking imagine yeah. and you're fucked because you have no option. They know yeah. everything inside out yep. and it's, this is part of the, this is part of the game. How did it. you know, how did you like, it's it. Oh yeah. Telling the story. I'm thinking flip, like you made some really good successive decisions. Like yeah. you managed your ego. You're like, hang on a sec. I didn't get that good Two, I listened to someone who said, sell it when you don't want to. Yeah. And then you also went through the process of like having competing bids. Like, is this just like a thing that you, like an intuition thing you have or did you, is it just from all the experience you've had? I, I really, it was, Peter Hedge was so instrumental in that because I could see like, I, I could start to get that ego barrier of like, I could vision myself in the future and I'm like, because you don't, like you make mistakes, you don't know what you don't know, yeah. right? And then your ego barrier. And I was like, there's this huge area here, which I don't know what I don't know. And I, and I could listen to Peter and these parts. And I, as much as I wanted to, nah, fuck that and do my thing. I was like, I know he's right. Yeah. I know he's been, he's seen this all before. Yeah. He's not incentivized on the deal too, because this is the thing, right? If you're ever in that process, everyone around you is incentivized for the deal to go through. Yeah. Everyone gets paid off that. Yeah. So it's not really unbiased advice where Peter was not incentivized at all. He was completely unbiased. And that was this way that I knew I could triangulate and get the right decision yeah. and come to it. And yeah, and that was a, is a big thing. And I, I would write my decisions down. I wouldn't just mull them over. I would do proper down. options, yep. go back. How can I hedge the downside when I decided, you know, but I knew that was the time we're going to do the tension. Yeah. And so, we we did the deal at at uh yeah the six hundred sort of million valuation um and I always remembered this story um my dad actually told me he goes he goes never be a prick arguing about small stuff right yeah like that's what you the know small stuff. yeah small stuff yeah. but he goes if you ever get something big be a fucking prick <laughs> <laughs> and I was like. It this is, is fucking big, uh, you know, like this is millions and yeah, millions yeah. of dollars. And I learned this from Peter as well. It's like, this is like a masterclass in deal making. But Peter Hedge was like, you don't hire a guard dog and bark yourself. Yes. And My so, old man used to say that, don't oh, have a dog and bark too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so he was the one in the deal where I could, you know, play the right part and he could negotiate and we went through and, you know, this was even the... um. 
think because we'd, we'd done it, we'd go, okay, yeah, we sort of agreed a price, we'll start an exclusive sort of period. And then right when that exclusive was sort of coming to the end, I had, um, you know, it was like, we're well, progressing the deal, but at the other side, like the market was just getting hotter and hotter by the second, you know. And the other one was one of the dinosaur retailers just knocking on the door and came and goes, look, look, I know you're in the thing, but we'll pay, um, we'll pay... 15 times we'll pay 850 million but we want to buy 100 percent. and i was like oh, oh fuck and then it was like oh what do oh. we do but and but tani and i were like and i this is again i used so much of those cognitive biases charlie munger's one if you haven't listened to those on youtube it's gold but you know or so uh two birds in the one in one, the hands better than two, two in, in the bush, bush you know and it's like old sayings like, like that eh but it really came back to it i'm like oh i could do it it could fall over it could be this and it's like and i actually did this decision maker you know because i was still getting 300 million cash off the table at the other one i'm like what am i going to do with 300 million <laughs> like yeah. it's only boats or planes well i know what you said shit. you yeah. said in an article i think you quote 30 million is like the base case of wealth. Like you can do most things well, with 30 mil, Unless right? you're into boats and planes yeah, or sure. like stupid, yeah, stupid yeah, crazy houses. Stuff. But it's like, and even the thing is like, like we're sort of in the process. It was like when you do these, these stupid houses, they are a bit of a thing <laughs> because it's like you run out of rooms to create, right? <laughs> it's like, like problems of the rich. I've, I've, looked of at these, I've looked at these stupid big houses before and it's like, when are you going to ever use this fireplace <laughs> when you've got those other They're four? They're all forbidden you know? rooms. Yeah, yeah. Can't go there. Go. All, but, yeah. so, but it is this sort of thing. If you can get to this, um, you know, unless you're a avid raving fan of yachts and planes, sure. like that's, yeah. that's the only sort 100%. of thing. Um, and so... Yeah, I did the deal and so you took so you took 300 million listed the deal and then you kind of ex- like you exited the 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 business. Well, no, so so I put half so the the most the rest of my half flipped into the public company which yep, we listed so, with yep. on and we did that with Princess Polly um as well and we'd acquired some other brands there Minimal Pedal and Pup as well. Um so we listed on the the share market, right? And this was like, uh, so we got away, and you know the share price um, it went down a bit, and then started to come up. And then I remember, you know, this this thing of like, you know, I was calculating. I kept waking up every morning, like, holy <laughs> shit! Oh my god, my shares are worth this! Oh my god, you know. And it was just a, it was just a sort of. A, I, I remember this this billionaire guy I was talking to as part of the deal. Um, Oh, before that, Brett Blundy is this retail billionaire. He's, he's a legend. But he told me this. He goes, like, success plants the seeds of failure. And wow. it was this thing of, I remember I was just always checking that price and doing the thing and calculating. And I, and I, I was like, so my shares would have been worth, like, yeah, over $500 million. I was like, oh, my God, you know, I'm going to be a billionaire, you know? And yeah, you start imagining. Like, yeah, and I'm like, oh, and I even set up the uh, Zapier thing to call to play through the Sonos. Like, I always listen to the Jay-Z, uh, Billy remix where he did. Uh, uh, so and, you, and was, and I was you like, were planning the vision. I was planning for yeah. the share price hit yeah. this thing in the middle of the night because it's in New York time that it would come through this thing, uh, Billy, uh, Billy, uh, Billy. <laughs> And I was like, I was like, oh, we'll get Nick's. And I was just like, see, now I sound like such an idiot saying it because, yeah, it didn't, uh, it didn't get there. And this was the thing: is the hysteria of the market. This yeah. was the whole thing. Crazy this was Bitcoin. This yeah. was NFTs. Yep. This was mental. 
it was, and I fucking got caught up in it. I, yeah. You know, and just kept thinking like when, when it was, you know, and obviously as we, we got calibrated in the market and then, um, you know, the share price definitely took a hit and, you know, I know, and this is where I was like so thankful of like, oh my God, getting those right people around because, you yeah. know, if I didn't have Tony, I probably would have gone, fuck it, take Put the whole thing in yeah. script, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, you're shares. an entrepreneur. You just yeah. take the risk, right? Yeah, the next exactly. constraint. Yeah. Isn't it interesting? Because I do, I've spoken about this before. People say to me, Lloyd, what's the best piece of money advice you can give me? I was like, marry the right woman. Yeah. Right? What a 100%. great example of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. So, and you guys are business partners from the yeah, start? Yeah. Yeah. So she started right at that market stage. Yeah. How good is that? Like yeah, so. to go on that journey with your exactly. So we can celebrate them all yeah. together. Yeah. had to, you know, it was all those trenches of like dragging each other out of yeah. bed at 4 a.m. Yeah. to go to the market. Massive so. accountability. Yeah. That's and, so cool. Yeah. That, that's really good. So, so you, you've listed incredible I mean, success in all areas, really. Uh, taking the three hundred million off the table, cashed up, like made it. Yeah, really. Like, yeah, yeah. You're like you're the youngest multi, 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 multi decker millionaire. You're the wealthiest dude that I personally know. I think. And what what's it like to go? Okay, well, I've I've kind of done it. What happens in your head, like? You know, this it, journey, it, it is, and it's definitely that thing I was always cautious to watch off. I remember when we did the deal and the money dropped in the account and it was this thing and we just went to lunch or any um, thing and it was just sort of, but it was sort of work as, as normal. But I remember the next day, because I'd always wake up at 4 a.m. and do this cold plunge, like ice plunge. I've done it for like five years. And I remember when my alarm went off at four, the first thing that came to my head is like, do I need to do this now? You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, like you've been like, doing it for so yeah. long, and yeah, regimented. This, but that's the that's the slip that can happen, yeah. right? You yes. know, it's like yeah. that's the start all the of it. things that took you to success. Yeah, you wake up and go, hang on a sec, because I've made it. Yeah, you switch it off, but you decided obviously. Well, that's when I I realized I'm like, look, this is what built me. This is part of my identity. I, yeah. I need to do this. But yeah, so as we sort of. When and you know it's it's being in sort of the public company and stuff and sort of Tani and I are very entrepreneurial and like I just I love and and sort of it's really hard for us to we the thing that got us to where we were is because we didn't listen to anyone we backed yeah. ourselves yeah and now it's in a co public company and a board and yep. everything needs a PowerPoint and that stuff it's just <laughs> not our uh, yeah yeah not our environment yeah you know and and my more thing is like look we've got all this money off the table that we're not doing anything with you know let's step out of the day today I'll still stay on the board yeah um but for me I sort of felt look I need to. I need to learn to become an investor. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I'm an entrepreneur from day dot. I I know if I could stack that with yeah. my entrepreneur mindset, that's like the art and science coming together totally. at a bigger level. Yeah. Is like yeah. that's a big thing. I I got deep down like when um, ChatGPT came out yeah. in uh, November. I went crazy down the rabbit hole of it, and I was just like, this is going to fundamentally change everything. everything. You know, and it and it gave me this feeling so much too. Like I remember, I was on Facebook ads in two thousand and eleven. I remember when I logged in, and I was like doing it, and I was like, "Wait a minute, a TV ad is just you do, like 
a TV ad is so broken. Yeah. You don't, you yeah. have no idea who watched it. Yeah. Like their no metrics are completely made up, like off a survey, right? It's just so like it's archaic. Like, how does it even exist, right? <laughs> how do they sell one fucking ad? But it's all on this relationships and back. Yeah, yeah, it's and old like, school. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. anyway, I was like, when, as soon as web Facebook ads came out, I'm like, wait a minute, compared to TV, I can track this. I can see how many people do it. I can track when they click through, how yeah. much they click through. Yeah. I can see them convert. Yeah. I can see them add to cart. Yeah. I'm like, this just, I just have to go all in on this. Yeah. And I remember then that was like, I, that was a fundamental shift. And I, I learned it myself. I didn't go, oh, who's an agency yeah. I can give it to? Yeah. I got in there. I learned every metric in there, every column, yeah. every course I was yeah. doing and learning myself. Yeah, that's really um, cool. And this is what I felt with, with, with AI. I was like, I can't just be like, oh, who can I give this to? I, I, I need to get my hands in there. Have you always been like that? Like know stuff yourself before you delegate it or before you kind of outsource? I, I do feel it's... The only way to really teach something congruently is yeah, you've got to you've got to know it, yeah. and it's like, like yes, you can trust people, um, but they're sort of got to be your peers, yeah, right. You're they're gonna like, get a, some direction too, right? Yeah, like, have it have a brief. This is what I want. This is how it's yeah. gonna work out. Yeah, but but especially too, and this is where I'm always getting all these questions about thinking, well, what marketing agency to use? I'm like, dude, if you're under ten million, you should be doing the whole ads yourself. Yeah, okay. Like, like it's not that hard. Like start learning today. In a month, you'll be like confident enough. It's it is not that difficult, especially now. And the key thing is, the more you across that, you'll be able to make so much better decisions than anyone else because yeah. you know all the other contexts. Because you understand it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I heard the other day someone said, "Oh, social media," and then someone said, "No, no, 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 not social media, media." Yeah. And I think there's that big transition to like if you're not online now, on social media doing stuff like you've. Like, like we were talking about before in the studio, and I and and one of the questions I had to Simon was like, "What what are you doing now?" Like, it looks to me like you're building a personal brand. We were talking about how important that is. Like, I want to ask you a couple of questions. The first one I want to ask is like, how important is it that you're building a personal brand now, and where are you going after this incredible success? Yeah, so I I wanted to sort of build my personal brand because mainly I'd seen this guy online. Alex Homozi. Yeah, Homozi. Yeah. And I was just seeing his content. I was like, oh, it's so good because you can tell he's actually done it. He's not talking. He's not trying to sell you this course. And I was like, oh, this is so good. And I was just like, then I could see his strategy of like creating the acquisition.com. And I was like, oh my God, this is it. Like the next, and I suppose that's the evolution of business, right? This private equity. That's how you make the big bucks. You make a ton of money and then you go and acquire. Exactly, because you know how to do it, yeah, Yeah. and you can sort of shortcut it. And so I was like, but I was like, when I saw him, I'm like, he will 100% be like the next Carlisle group. 100%. Like, they won't be this in the shadows, faceless company that's sort of behind. It will be like Hormozzi's one in a, and I was like, why couldn't I do that? Yeah. For retail, apparel, e-com, everything that I know. And so I thought the first step was for me to actually, you know, just give the value out as yeah. much as I can. Like, look, I've, I learned all this shit. Yeah. I didn't invent it. Yeah. I learned it. I applied it. This is how it worked. Yeah. Be real and give as much and build that community. Yeah. And then, cause I believe these right brands that, you know, already coming, already talking with, I can sort of start to roll out the playbook. I can yeah. be great talent acquisition because yeah. people can watch me and understand and see yeah. their gaps and 
you know, I can see they've taken action when I tell them to go learn about this chat GPT or learn this yeah. AI or learn this course. They've already done it and applied it. They're yeah. already way more advanced. Yeah, and I think also too, like you, you would see the, like there's this, been this thing where people talk about assets, like acquiring yeah. assets and we talk about businesses and real estate and so forth yeah. and stock. But I think now, and you probably agree, like an audience, like what an asset. That has yeah. to be probably number one yeah. because without that, you can't do anything. So as you build this brand you're building, I've seen your Instagram. I've been watching it. It's so good. Like as you film, we'll put all the, the links in the show notes. But following your Instagram, I love you come on and do Q&A. Yeah. And you're just giving this value about your journey and you're sending the elevator back down to the floor because of all the success you've had, right? Yeah, yeah. But also at the same time, because you don't need the money. You're also building so much goodwill and, and equity yeah. in your personal brand. You're going to yeah. build this huge audience. Yeah. And that's a powerful asset just in itself. And, and definitely the fact that I don't need to monetize it, that yep. I'm not trying to, that I can, it's it's true brand. Yes. And that if there is that that right opportunity in the future of like that, because that's ideally is someone applies it, someone learns from it, has built a business, and then like I've done this off your thing, I need this to go to the next level. And I'm like, done. Yeah. You know, and you're there. It, it makes so much sense. Yeah. And it's so, and, and this is the thing is like, I think it's when I sort of step back to is, you know, definitely the, the period I've got to is like, you know, making the extra million or whatever, it's never, it's never going to change my life. But yeah. I'm like, it feels, I can't believe this is the thing is when you give that value and you see those ideas land, you see people take action. It's like, it feels so good and yeah. it gives you so much more energy to keep doing it. I'm like, oh, well, let's just do this. It's fun. And, yeah. I, and, I'll, and even these ones that, you know, a lot of these businesses that even if I talk to and I'm not going to invest or something, I will give them every bit of advice I can. I'm like, if I was you, I would do this. Yeah. If I was you, have you checked out this? Have you do that? And I'm still sending them stuff. Yeah. Like, you should copy this ad style. I know this is what, it, you know. It's like in you though, because yeah. because you're just that type of person. Because as as... To be good at selling, you have to be a giver too, right? Like, so you're just giving, 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 and that's building goodwill wherever you turn. And it's pretty like biblical that, like being successful by being a good person. Yeah. So you leave people in a better place than what they were just by meeting you, by the yeah. sounds of it, right? Yeah, and that's 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 the plan on this this next phase, and it's and it's great too that I you know I can live on the Gold Coast, and it's fucking it's the most amazing yeah. and. You know, got the kids at oh, one of my sons. Uh, Ethan's at TSS. TSS. So there you he, go. Yeah, he. Uh, Maybe he'll go do year ten business and yeah, do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it. But it's it's so great that I can sort of bounce back and spend that time and, yeah. and just well, get the highest point of leverage. Yeah, you know, yeah, definitely. Well, you're young, like you're thirty, thirty-seven, thirty-eight, thirty-nine, thirty-nine. You're thirty-nine. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I was like, Shit, I'm thirty-nine. I'm thinking, yeah. what have I been doing the last fifteen <laughs> years? But um, yeah, we do. We are very lucky to live here and so on and and. Uh, and uh, it's so good to see that you've escaped this journey with everything intact and you now get to play at that. I'm, I'm just stoked to watch this unfold for you, which is so cool, right? Because a lot of people never really even probably even make it to that point where they even sold at the right time. It was just, a, it's just amazing. So I do want to ask you a couple, two questions is one before we go into the One Life stuff and talking about the event and everything that you've com got coming up in a couple of days, you've mentioned Charlie Munger. You've mentioned this uh, fellow Peter Hedge Hedge, and a few other people and Tony Robbins. Yeah. You did some of his programs, right? Yeah. yeah. How important 
is it that you secure mentorship or you listen to people like Charlie Munger and Tony Robbins and like how has that shaped your journey, mentorship? Uh, 100%. I'm the biggest like I've been like a personal development junkie I, I think in that, you know, I've done that many courses in learning and I just I love that that aspect of and this is the thing is there's so many people out there that will teach you and guide you through so much stuff that like that's actually that is that is where like all this stuff that I'm saying I didn't invent any of it yeah. I just learned it and I applied it and this is so important that you get those right people around you and this is the thing you can't just because a lot of I get this a lot like oh what book do I read what book do I read it's like you read a book but then you've got to take action. Yes. You actually have to. Yes. And I actually use ChatGPT, an awesome thing for this now. It's like, I've just read this book, Good to Great by Jim Collins. Give yep. me uh, 10 multiple choice question and answers. Yeah. Test on it to make sure I understood the concepts properly. How right? good is that? And it just goes bang and it gives you. Cause That's it's so, thing. like a little mini test. Yeah. That's so and good. This is the thing is like, like, if you did Harvard MBA, but you never had to do a test in the end, it yeah. wouldn't be worth no anything. No accountability to the you learning. You actually have to make sure you wow. know and absorb it. And this is my biggest one is that I encourage people is so much, just don't get on that dopamine hit of next, next, learn, next. Learn, put learn. Book, like yeah. you said, put it back on the shelf. Yeah. You've got to make sure, did I, did yeah. it land? Yeah. Did it actually create behavior change? Yes. And this is where if you've got the right people around that hold you accountable, that are true you know, not just out of boy shit, but we'll, we'll call you on your, your shit. shit. You say yeah. you're going to do something, you don't do it. Like that's what helps build the muscle. And yeah. I've always had those through layers. Yeah. Um, and I, I just, I just know it, it, yeah, it would never have happened without doing that. 100%. There you go. So it doesn't really matter what business you're in, what industry you got to do those. You got to engage in, in mentorship and, and, and personal development you got to read books and you got to action them. I mean, on the plane last night coming back from Bali, I, I read, I grabbed Dan Sullivan's new book, 10X is easier than 2X. Yeah. And I just grabbed like this, this is going to be great, right? Because I read his who, not how, and it's changed my paradigm about yeah, yeah, outsourcing. Yeah. So I'm reading the book and to your point, I got through the first chapter and I was already engaging in things and doing things. I had yeah. put the book away even. So it takes me a while to read a book because I like yeah. to execute as I'm doing it. Exactly. Right. So it's such a big lesson there. So executing on what you're learning. And so, um, man, I want to know now, like, what you, I know you just recently brought out Jordan Belfort, the Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, just quickly, was what was it like working with Jordan? Oh, he's he's amazing. That was that all the the dinners and stuff we've gone to. I told Tani when I came back, it's like after spending time with him, it's like I felt like I haven't lived. You know, his <laughs> yeah. stories are just oh, that, yeah, he's that got insane. Story. Yeah, there it's you go. It's like hard to uh. You know, and it is, it's like his thing is like the movie was an actual understatement. It's yeah. like they couldn't put the stuff in there because it just sounds that obscene. But um, he's just an epic sales trainer. I learned yeah. that from the early days at the markets yep. and really implemented it. It was yep. a real game changer for me. And and I met Emil and, and, you know, he's super successful real estate and just wants to give back and created this one life. And I'm like, yep. oh, I would love to, you know, I had something similar. You know, I was thinking in my head, you know, where you could create this content, but then have the events stacked together. Yes. And like, let's do it together. And yeah, the first one was, uh, first big event was Jordan Belfort. There you go. It was awesome. Yep. Yeah. We sold out in Sydney, Melbourne and, and Brisbane. And 
you know, just that sales skills is so important because sales gets a, a, a bad word, but sales is influence, right? Well, if you can't, it and it's this thing is if you can't communicate and get someone's behavior to change, yeah. like I've employed, you know, over a thousand staff, that many, so many super smart people, way, way smarter than me, but they don't know how to communicate and yes. land and influence points. They can just say something to someone and everyone goes, you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> and they just go off. And they it's haven't like, influenced, yeah. It didn't yeah. land. Yeah. So it, there's no point in even saying it. It just goes into the yeah. vortex. And it's do, like, yeah. Do you reckon it's like the number one profit skill selling? Like, it, uh, I, Every one of those young kids asks, what should I do? I'm just like, learn selling. sales, learn yeah. sales. sales. And go the hard stuff. I would yeah. go like in the shopping centers, you know, selling that. Yeah, canvassing that. Yeah. You've got to stop someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's Perfect. fucking brutal. But yeah. you will build so much yeah. muscle. Yeah. It's like if you do that for two years, yeah. that skill. Nothing's harder, right? I know. So like yeah. I think about that too. I think if I was going back, and you might agree with this, I feel like when I was in grade nine ten i was like i should have done door-to-door stuff i should have oh, done more yeah. like flipping phone sales stuff right yeah. because one thing is and i think it's an advantage because i went through university and did business yeah. that you you don't want to i don't know what i'm going to do but no one talks about sales yeah and it's almost like it an advantage when you, you you're yeah. just a salesperson because yeah. that's really business right it is it's the cure-all like sales is the cure-all yep. so yep. many of your problems if you just sell more shit they're gone like yeah you know and you it's have to learn it. And you've got to, and and it's, people think, oh, just employ someone to do it. It's like, no one's going to sell with the congruency and the certainty and and have it like And you have to sell them the vision. So they want to join your business, right? Yeah, Yeah, I agree with that 100%. So so with One Life, we'll finish with this then. I just want to, because you have this event. Like, I I, I reached out to Simon. I'm I'm even watching your journey and so forth. When you hit Forbes, I'm like, man, that's so cool. I sent you a voice message. I've been watching yours. I'm like, I'd love to get someone on the show, but I'm like, I, I also want to promote this one life because I love the model of subscription, education, and then the events. And I know you got one coming up in two days on the Gold Coast, uh, 7th to 7th. I want to get this episode out so we can send. If, you're an, if you have an entrepreneurial bone in your body, you need to get to this event on Friday. I'm going to send this to our followers. Tell us a little bit about one life, the events coming up, and where you see that going. Yeah, so One Life where what we wanted to do is it's not about this – is, this is about interviews with real business people telling their real stories of how they've done it and unpack it to give back and create this right community. And really this, what I feel was – was missing and then stacking on it events where you actually create the community. community. Yeah. And so this one on uh, Friday, yeah, we've got, yeah, Emil and myself, we've got Jess, Josh Tesla the number one real estate agent Saw in that. Australia. Yeah. You know, 7.5 million commission. He's 27. That's impressive. Um, his sales skills, I'm just in awe of. <laughs> like, I cannot wait to watch him. Watch him. That guy has energy like I've never wow. seen. And then, um, then we've got Chandra, who's also yep. a partner on One Life. She created Crimson Education, you know, a billion, it's valued over a billion dollars uh, app. You know, she's from New Zealand. And then we've got, uh, yeah, uh, Marty Fox. We've got um, uh, Roxy and, yeah, heaps of great people just to tell their story. It's not like to sell them anything. Yeah, it's that's not cool. like, you know, buy this something or buy yeah, this yeah, course. Yeah. It's just simply to to break it down as much as we can in that nutshell format and yeah. yeah, and create that community. And this is what I, I really 
love to do. I love to be a part of it. I love to see those entrepreneurs uh, take that action and do it and yeah. give back to the community. Because I know like so many of, of going to the Tony Robbins, going to the events is that I had these breakthrough moments when yeah. it just clicked. Like physiologically yeah. shifted you in and the room, And it's just right? like, I've got it. Yes. And, it, and, and I trace back of those big periods of growth came from those. Yeah. And, and it's like... Look, I definitely love the the virtual ones and doing it, but they're you need to be able to hug. Yeah, like you need the to be able physical. Ah, uh, well, it's uh, like in retail, yeah. right? You had physical stores that could build a relationship, and you yeah. had the online. Exactly, like you have to. Have, it's hybrid now, right? Hundred percent. Even with the and education. our stores is what built our brand, right? Like because it's touch, right? You can physically we see. We created things. the feeling, and we hit them with a high warmth, high confidence greeting. Yep. You know, the atmosphere yep. is that. And then when they got hit with the ad online, they remembered it. That's right. You know, yeah. And so they clicked through and brought it. Yeah. And if you didn't make that experience first, the ad yep. would just be another fucking ad in the vortex. Hundred percent. Yeah. Well, I noticed that because we built an online business through COVID, and I said to my friend, he said, oh, "I don't know about events." I'm like, "Oh," and we brought them back because, like, someone said to me, "You can't build a culture if you can't hug people." Yeah. I was like, wow, okay. okay. So I think that's how it's transitioned. So you guys are doing both with the One Life. So yeah. that's cool. Excellent. Yeah. So the event's coming up. Uh, I'm going to put a link to the grab a ticket. If I was on within flipping Eck, I would fly for it. If you want to fly, flying for it, go to the event. You'll see Simon there, all these incredible entrepreneurs. Check it out. Follow, um, obviously follow Simon. I'm going to put, what what what's the best, let me ask you this first before we go. What's the number one, the number one nugget or number one piece of advice you have for people who have got this entrepreneurial itch and they're just looking for like one thing from you that you could help them with. What would the, be that one thing? My more thing is make learning like your default, like education over entertainment. So anytime you're about to flick up and if your YouTube algorithm is not feeding you nothing but learning shit, if your TikTok is not nothing but learning and stuff like that is the only stuff you should like. That's the only so that at least if you're ever on those platforms, it's still feeding you learning. You have to make sure learning education is your default, wow. not entertainment. Entertainment has to be a luxury. Like I always do is like I will only watch a Netflix or something. Like if Tani and I are one home, we're staying home on a Saturday night. That is the only fucking time. <laughs> like that's it. Yeah. And so if we're going out, then it's gone. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah. It's like that is. There's no other like you have to be disciplined around that and because that's the thing is you have to be self-education you have to be able to drive that momentum yourself yeah, yeah. and have that discipline well you've got to become a learning machine i think charlie munger says right yeah so i love how you said that so for all our our listeners if your algorithm it's like an algorithmic like success flag i was saying this the other day i was like you know if you were dating in today's world if you were like meeting a girl, I'd be like, show me your YouTube album. Yeah. You know, because it's, it's like, nah, fuck that, you know. <laughs> or, yeah, the litmus test, show me yeah, your algo yeah. and I'll show you mine. Yeah, well, you can show, every, you know, you see their values. Exactly. It's It just says it all right there. Yeah. I was talking uh, to someone the other day about that, about Facebook too. Like if you have a profile, like on your Instagram, if you need to go for a job or someone's going to like talk to you, like even before the show, I'm, t I'm learning about you. But if you go to someone's profile even and it's not congruent or – you're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you go. There you go. Algorithm success. So, man, I've got I, – I, I could talk to you forever, obviously. Like, you've only got so much time, but I've just really enjoyed having you in the show. So much value. Incredible that we're on the Gold Coast, able to do this in person. I just want to say thanks for your right. time. Thanks really, for having really me. Really appreciate it. Thank and um, 
So where can everyone follow you and find you? Yeah, just I'm on Instagram and YouTube and all that. I've always sort of just started just kicking it all off. But, you know, I'm really trying to drop as much value as possible on everything I know. I don't hold anything back. And, yeah, I I, I really hope that those that really step into the entrepreneur arena, it's not for everyone, look, like, but if you have that itch, you have that love and you're like, I want to be out there, live by the sword, die by the sword. Yeah. Like, I want to give you everything in my that I've learned to help you on that journey. I love it. It, it is a is phenomenal feeling when you vision something in your head and you you make it real. Especially when people doubted you. Oh my god, it's it's euphoric. That's amazing, awesome. Well, you're definitely doing that. So give Simon a follow. Thanks for coming in, everyone else. Thanks for listening to this. Leave us a review. Get this episode. Send it to as many people as you can. Let's get the message out. And uh, you guys go have a wealthy week. <laughs> Thanks for joining us this week on the Money Grows on Trees podcast. If you like the show, you might want to check out our book, Money Grows on Trees, which you can find at LloydJRoss.com. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, leave a review, and feel free to reach out to Lloyd on Instagram at LloydJamesRoss.